A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This week's episode of Homo Sapiens comes to you from the queue for BA. Now, we have got such a brilliant episode today. Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye fame is on the show, and it is a truly remarkable conversation. Jonathan recently went viral for taking on Dax Shepard, the huge podcaster, about trans kids and how we should be protecting them. If you haven't heard it, have a listen. Um, it's really, really brilliant. So, actually watch the clip, he cries. Jonathan is amazing. He's a proper trailblazer. He shot to fame as doing this thing called Gay of Thrones, where well, he was a hairdresser. And it kind of went a bit, um, it was a bit of a thing, and then he it was on Funny or Die, and that's how he got his job on Queer Eye. And he shot to fame. And he does incredible activism. He does brilliant stand-up. I don't know if any of you have ever seen him. And he's married to a lovely British man, so he's actually in London this week. So of course I got his full, full English order, because we had to know what that was. Um, That's all coming up in a bit. And he talks really beautifully today about his own journey around his own gender identity. And he's not sure where he's at and whether he might, you know, might have had um, gender reassignment surgery and things. And, you know, he identifies as non-binary and, you know, talks about a lot of the sort of trans misogyny that he experiences online. Um, he is a big bubble of hope and joy, and uh, this is a really fun chat. Loads of really interesting history in the chat as well, actually. Now, firstly, have you listened to Monday's episode for Transparent Day? We spoke to trans activist Jackson Feely and his mum Sharon about how to be supportive of kids being trans, and it's what ah, uh, it's just lovely. And thank you for all your lovely messages. If it resonated. Get in touch, Homo Sapiens on Instagram, at Homo Sapiens on Instagram. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com to tell us what you thought about the episodes. And secondly, Homo Sapiens t-shirts. The t-shirt competition is back. You can win a Homo Sapiens t-shirt. All you need to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So just search for Homo Sapiens on Apple Podcasts. Go to our page and there's an option to review. And if you want to go and look at the t-shirt designs, homosapiensstore.com. It's a very cool new one. Um, which I really like. Okay, let's go and listen to Jonathan. Here's the chat. I'm in London. I'm in the Sony studios here. I think I'm in Shoreditch. (laughs) Do you spend a lot of time in London, though? I come, like, two to four times a year. And that's because your husband's from England, Yes. He was born in Essex. Essex, that was a good accent. Yeah, he was born in Essex. Uh, And then he... (laughs) Lived in London after he finished secondary school. School. <laughs> but do you like spending time in London? Is it? I love it here. I just love English breakfast. 
really love having beans for breakfast. Walk me through your order. I like the fulingi, but I black pudding kind of fucks me up. And I do <laughs> and I do the sunny side up eggs. And I also recently discovered I really like those roasted tomatoes. I can't believe it. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're th- that's quite a posh full English. Okay, I don't like. I guess I don't like the chips with my full English. So I will say that I don't the, like it when there's like fries or the gravy. No, I fuck up the gravy, but I guess there's not really gravy. I just like the hash browns. Yeah, because they're delicious and nutritious. But Jonathan, where do you live the rest of the year? Texas. Okay, but Austin, right? Yes. So I've been to South by Southwest quite a lot, but not for like five, ten years. What is the queer scene like there now? And but are there clubs? Are there bars? You know, Austin is kind of like a a little safe space for all the surrounding like areas. So it's pretty queer friendly. I will say I haven't been out in Texas past 10 o'clock at night ever. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's more of like my age and how busy I am than like what is actually... Refl- I mean, people go out a lot. I just, I can't stand to be out like super late anymore. I just like mm-hmm. want to be at home with my animals. But I love to do like a day drinking brunch. Okay, so that's more your vibe. Yes. I just like want to be like home watching TV after like eight, unless I'm getting paid. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this chat and I was like, there is so much that you have done and there is so much that you are doing. You've just done a big tour and tell me what you, what, what were you covering? What were you metabolizing this time around? Yeah, Fun and Slutty, which I still have a couple more I have a couple more shows left, and actually I'm going to be making an exciting announcement for some more shows of Fun and Slutty in America next year. So I'm excited. It, this tour was so good, and it got such like a overwhelming like positive response that I'm going to do some more of it, which is exciting. But um, this show, I structured as almost like a sex ed class for adults. It's like a dirty, slut, sex ed, sex positivity class for adults. And I'm your professor, Jonathan Van Nasty. And then it's just like an hour 15 of me just processing like sexuality, social media, harm reduction, you know, talking about all these different tools to stay alive with a very queer sex positive and making fun of puritanical Republican fear mongering around like queerness and culture and um, wokeness. I love it. It's, it's processing a lot of that and processing just like what it is to be queer now. Hmm as a public figure. Yeah. But do you remember when the first time as a little, little, little Jonathan, that you felt yourself step outside of your gender expectation? Yeah, mine was with my cousins and we just like loved playing dress up and playing with Barbies. And that was like really early. My It mm. really freaked my dad out. And so he was like really concerned about it, really didn't want me. It became a rule that like I needed to like not play dress up, like not play with the Barbies and... So that was, like, this pretty intense, acute understanding that, like, the way I was showing up was, like, not the right way. Or it was something I needed to, like, hide. Mm. It Like, definitely hide. And then my auntie would be like, well, we can still play dress up. We just, like, once your dad calls and said he's, like, coming over, like, we got to get that shit off and fold it up and, like, get out of the playroom. And you got to come sit in the family room. Like, we didn't even go in that room today. Like, deal. And I'd be like, absolutely. I love um, that. And so auntie was cool. But that still was, like confusing because it's like I thought I needed to like hide I just like thought it wasn't safe to like be feminine no I know it's so deep-seated that stuff isn't it you know and it it teaches you secrecy it teaches you lies it teaches you a lack of authenticity 
Who were your other people like your auntie, the people who sort of validated who you were, I suppose, for want of a better description? Yeah, my best friend Emily and her mom were really important to me. She moved to Quincy when we were in sixth grade and she's still my best friend but she and her mom were like one of the first places and like houses like where they like taught me how to curl hair like taught me how to do a hair mask like we could totally like walk in heels and like just like I so I was like can I go to Emily's house can I go to Emily's house like her and her mom were really important to me and I remember like her mom Shirley would be like she was teaching me how to curl hair and I remember I like kept fish hooking the ends really bad like that's like where you don't bring the curl all the way to the end and then the end is just like like it goes out of this like weird angle and I remember I'd like do a curl and it would be like so fucked up with this like huge fishtail. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's good, right? And Shirley would be like, do you see how this end is going like cat? Like, can you like, like, and I'd be like, no, I just love it. And like, I could not for the life of me, like wrap my head around like how to not fishtail these fucking ends. But she was so patient and sweet with me about it. Well, that's so nice though, isn't it? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You were saying that you still, your gender expression is still a journey. And yeah. you were saying such a fascinating thing about even sex isn't binary. And I'd, I'd just love you to talk a bit about that. Because I just love that you said that, you know, it's st- you're still working it out. And I feel like we're always asked to have a finite answer. And actually, it's all fluid. Yeah. You know, like biological sex is one thing. And then gender is a different thing. So like, you know, your biological sex is how you're born and then your gender. So that's like how the world sees you, but then your gender is like how you see yourself. Mm. So it's like two different things. But then when people will say, like a lot of turfs will say like, oh, well, you know, this basic biology, it's not that hard. It's either you're like a man or a woman. And so to that, it's, that is not true. Like there is not two specific camps of gender that everyone falls neatly between. Um, And there are, uh, Intersex is a real thing. There are millions of people who are intersex. There is um, several traits that qualify as intersex. Um, And so really, in the way that Alicia Rothweigel explains it, who wrote this really incredible book called uh, Inverse Cowgirl, but she would say, you know, like, it's like a man who has more peach fuzz, like not very much of a beard, all the way to someone else who has like a really thick, hairy beard. Those are like a way that like they would fall like differently on a gender spectrum. You know, like if the mm. left is like all the way dude and then the right is all the way female, 
wouldn't the guy who had like a thicker beard be a little bit closer to all the way dude next to the dude who's like kind of hairless and doesn't really have facial hair, like in the way that we understand gender. And then like a woman who has like a flatter chest versus like a woman who has like huge breasts. Would the woman who has like bigger breasts be considered like more woman than a woman who will base of our contemporary understandings of womanhood and manhood? Yes, because the hairier you are, the more manly you are. And like the bigger tits you are, then the more womanly you are, mm. which I don't agree with these things, but that's the way that we like contemporarily see gender. So people who are intersex are way closer to the middle of that spectrum than what someone who is assigned male or female at birth that don't have intersex traits. Mm. So people who do have intersex traits sometimes will have like, they'll have like an ambiguous genitalia, like not all the way penis, not all the way vagina. You may have like fallopian tubes and you may have like testes or you may like, there's just like all of like, there's different compositions of reproductive anatomy that are outside of like strictly female and strictly male. Mm. And these estimates are like 1.7 to 2% of the population. Isn't and the same amount of people who is people who are ginger who have red That's hair. what people say. But here's one yeah. thing that's really interesting about this is that like you can see who has ginger hair. Mm-hmm. Even if they color their hair, you can look at the roots, you know, like, okay, they have red hair. It's like pretty uh, objective. Mm. Like, do you have red hair or not? But a lot of intersex people, because of the fear around intersexness and the way that doctors treat intersex people in their families, a lot of intersex people are not listed as intersex on their birth certificate. Because when they were born being intersex, the doctor was like, holy shit, we need to like make this baby. We need to do genital surgery on this baby. Literally, the phrase, it's easier to dig a hole than build a pole is frequently used, Mm. or it was frequently used. And so in that room, they would make a decision on if this kid, based on the ambiguous genitalia, whichever it was closer to, like, we're going to make a decision and we're going to make this kid either a boy or a girl and we're going to mark it as such on the birth certificate. So there's a lot of people who are born with, who are born intersex and don't even find out until they're in their 20s, 30s, like much later. So our true count of intersex people, we know it's like 1.7, but it could be, it could be higher. Like that could Mm. be an undercount because of the secrecy. And it's not like we do. And then there's also other intersex uh, variations where externally you really can't tell anything. And But then the chromosomes will be different. So, mm-hmm. and we don't do chromosomal testing on all babies. So we really just, we know that it exists, but it could even be higher. So that's one thing. And then as far as like my gender expression is concerned, when I was a little kid, I really did not feel like I was a boy. Like mm-hmm. I wore dresses. I felt much more safe and comfortable with my girlfriends. Boys made me feel... I just did not feel like I was a boy in the way that other boys were boys. But didn't have language around transness. And from a really early age, as I was saying earlier, you know, my dad, like, kind of ripped me out of evening gowns. And it was very clear that, like, this was not something that I should be exploring or, like, doing. And so I just don't... I think some trans people are like, I'm trans. I've always known I was trans. For me... I feel a lot of a lot of like what trans women talk about, I resonate with very deeply. And then when I say that there's like a struggle for my gender expression, like I am really scared of judgment. I've really I'm scared of the way like I can still blend in the world if I need to. And a lot of times when you're trans, you can't. Mm-hmm. And so when I say that I'm not brave and other people are so much braver, it's like I don't know if I want my outside to match the inside in that way. Mm-hmm. Because like people are cruel and they're vicious and like I'm scared of other and not that you have to have surgery to to be trans but like a lot of gender affirming care I am like I've had I'm living with HIV I like I am scared of all sorts of shit so Mm. I think there are a lot of things that I probably would have done differently and probably would have shown up differently had I had an affirming family and an affirming community 
but I didn't have an affirming family and I sure as fuck didn't have an affirming community. But I think, you know, really when it comes to gender affirming care with kids and young people, it's like, I don't think young people should like be rushed through gender transition or like be rushed to like having like irreversible medications. But I do think that like, or irreversible medical decisions made for them. But I do think that like personal choice is really important. Mm. And young kids who have extreme gender dysphoria need healthcare. And sometimes mm-hmm. that healthcare includes puberty blockers. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it includes hormones. Sometimes it doesn't. I was actually just getting this huge fight with this, or I was getting in an online fight with this trans uh, guy who is really like, does not believe in gender affirming care for young people because they think that you need to go all the way through your puberty to understand if you have gender dysphoria or not. And to that, I say like trans people are not a monolith. All trans mm-hmm. people have different experiences in their gender dysphoria and their transition and their access to healthcare and their knowledge, et cetera. Not all young queer people or not all young trans people are the same. Some don't have such gender dysphoria that, that it's going to end up in suicide or it's going to end up in like really intense, like like some people can go all the way up through their adulthood and then be like, you know what? I'm ready. I want to transition. Some people can't. Some young people cannot do that. The thought of puberty, the thought of going through that puberty is life ending for them. And that is the truth for some trans kids. It's not the truth for all trans people, but that is the truth for some. And we need to have options for people who have that. And we should not be blanket banning gender affirming care. Just like we shouldn't be like saying to any kid who is having questions around their gender, be like, oh, you're trans, go for it. Like, yeah. let, like it's it's really up to the individual, their parents, their community, like not as much their communities. It's really, it's like, it should be up to individuals and their families and their caregivers and their medical providers, not legislators and not fucking people on Twitter or <laughs> wherever. Yeah. It's funny. Cause when you're describing that, I go, my brain's like, isn't it funny that people just want even that to be binary? You know, like, are you, are you trans or not? You know? And I think the truth of the matter is, and what it feels like you're speaking a bit about in terms of yourself is like it is it's a spectrum and it's not a spectrum 30 centimeters wide it's miles long and everybody is on it somewhere and I think if you are like um like my age and but where would I have got to like would if it had been a thing that I could have gone to gender clinics and stuff like I might have like this is I talked to my husband about it. it's like I just don't know and I and I think where I've got to on it who knows if this is right or wrong? It's it's like well that was that moment, and that moment has passed, and I am where I am, and I don't experience fundamental dysphoria. I can tell you that we all operate in this kind of funny grey area, and some people who don't have this these thoughts do not understand it. They cannot understand it. But if you do, it's something that is always half on your mind. And I actually think the reason that I perhaps felt gender dysphoria is because I was signing up to a really basic shit idea of what a man is. And then I was like, actually, I think a man can be someone who wears dresses, can be into super feminine stuff, wants to wear heels, wants to play with dolls. That doesn't not make me a man, actually. It might be your idea of what a man is, but I'm going to represent that version of a man. It might be narrow, but that, and that felt good to me. And I don't know if that resonates with you. No, it does. That's kind of why I like, that's really why I identify so strongly with non-binary is that from the earliest time, and it remains true now, like I've just neither felt Superman or Superwoman. 
Mm. And some days I feel like way more in my masculinity and some days I feel way more in my femininity. And And that's amazing. But I do, you know, I don't identify as a man. And Mm. um, I don't really identify as a woman. But honestly, I, I do think that most days I feel more woman than I feel man. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm just not willing to like, I think trans people are so fucking strong because the shit that trans people deal with, especially yeah. trans women, is just like on this whole other, and the, the trans misogyny that I face in my daily life is like a tiny cookie crumble compared to like what trans women face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do face a lot of trans misogyny in my life. And mm-hmm. um, even just with where I am now. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, there is just like a lot of, there is like fear and uncertainty. And so that's why I'm just kind of like, I think I'm, I feel good where I am, but I also like leave the door open because I never know where I'm going to end up. So plot twist. I've been put, I've been put back on hold. Not normal. Um, but yeah. So uh, what better time than to say that's the end of part one with Jonathan. It's great. My B, I keep saying BT. My BA call is going relatively well. Um, uh, so while I'm holding, um, why don't you go and find your way over to the feed and listen to part two? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Powered by Spirit Studios.